You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Alexa, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider Credential, member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Wednesday, continuing our free agency coverage for this New Orleans team. Yeah, there's a lot still going on, and we had a trade that went down today or yesterday that might have shaken things up just a little bit. Today, we're going to be looking at some of the teams that might influence the Pelicans and what they do in free agency. So not necessarily just talking about New Orleans directly yet. That's going to be the next couple of days here on the podcast, but looking at other teams and the market factors and different things like that. What does the trade with the Wizards and Clippers mean for New Orleans? Could mean something. What about Dallas and their draft? Does this make them more likely to go all in on a guy like DeMarcus Cousins? Or are they better for waiting? Or should they be a on other players. And what about Nikola Jokic signing with the Denver Nuggets a year early, getting that max deal, basically throwing them near the luxury tax? And what could that tell us about Pelicans targets? We're going to cover all of that and more in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So let's start with the breaking news. The trade between the Clippers and Wizards with Marcin Gortat heading out west to the Los Angeles Clippers and our favorite Austin Rivers getting moved to the Wizards. So this is not a simple situation where you could make two jokes here, easy ones, of Doc Rivers trading his son because Doc Rivers is not in charge of running the team as GM, president of basketball operations, whatever that kind of title and role is. We've learned those don't really work, and they stripped him of that a while ago. So it's safe. This was more Jerry West even and his role and whoever's kind of running their team at the top. Not Doc Rivers. We can't make the joke. Then you've got Marcin Gortat heading out to L.A. Maybe he wants to be a movie star alongside Boban, who's going to be in the next John Wick movie. They're Eastern European. They look a little bit scary. It fits. Maybe that's all this is. Simple moves. But it's not. And we've got to read too much into it because we're in that period before the moratorium really starts. Once teams can start talking to other players, though, so we've got to kind of suss this out for ourselves and see what it means. On the surface, this is actually a very good trade for the Wizards. Gortat had to be pushed out of there. He was talking about how they played so well without John Wall. And, well, when you have one of your guys talk about about your best player, second best player, depending on Beal, depending on how you feel, I guess, you know, it's not really going to work. So this was obvious that he was going to get pushed out. The Wizards get a suitable Backup third string guard, something the Pelicans actually could use. Hence, we talked, you know, and Tony Carr, we talked about this the other day. So that third point guard position is never really a bad thing to have. And Rivers is a decent enough three-point shooter now where it kind of makes sense. So oddly enough, he's kind of carved out a rotation role in the NBA. Not necessarily a starter's role. You don't want him starting. It's, uh, and you know, But a guy who can play some minutes for you. Plus, they save about a million dollars that helps them with the luxury tax and everything there for a guy they didn't want to have anymore. So yeah, 
that's a good trade for the Warriors and I not Warriors Wizards and with Gortat headed the other way you have to figure this signals the end of DeAndre Jordan there in LA he may opt into his player option for about 24 25 million or so but then just likely looks to be traded after that and facilitate something and make it easier because he's not going to get more money at least on a one-year contract than that at the current landscape and market of the NBA so what's this do what's this tell us that you know for the Pelicans here does this mean that the Wizards are eyeing up a sign-in trade for DeMarcus Cousins? I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe they kind of want to look at him and, and bring him in. But to do this move, just thinking you can get that move when you haven't even talked to DeMarcus Cousins yet, that seems a little bit odd. Maybe they're going to try and make another trade for someone who knows. But they do have a glaring hole at center. John Wall is friends with DeMarcus Cousins. They played on the same team at Kentucky. So, yeah, that's kind of what we're reading into this right now. However, and we can discuss this maybe more in depth tomorrow, I think, because this requires a little bit more time than what we've got in the podcast today. I don't know if it's a signing trade of DeMarcus Cousins to the Wizards makes a ton of sense for the Pelicans. The obvious guy they would do that for is Otto Porter Jr. with the um, Wizards having Kelly Oubre back, or Kelly Oubre, whichever one is the junior, with Oubre being the kind of the backup who could stepped into that starting role pretty easily for him. But again... I don't know if you necessarily want to send out a contributing player, a guy who does a lot of things well, he's fairly well-rounded importer, for a guy who you don't know if he's going to come back fully healthy or anything like that. At least not until you've talked to him and maybe been able to kind of get a sense of his recovery timetable a little bit more. And the Wizards haven't because they can't talk to him right now. So this would be a heck of a, a gamble by them, maybe moving out your starting center, to then only make a run at a guy you don't even know if is going to have any interest in signing and playing for you. So that's why I don't know if this really is the sign of a bigger move for Washington, or they just wanted to get rid of a disgruntled player. They found a guy that can play some backup minutes for him. They save a little bit of money, knowing you were going to still need to use your non-taxpayer or your taxpayer mid-level exception, depending on where they fit and have to then sign another big and there's just cheaper bigs out there than DeMarcus Cousins than what Gortat's making and you can kind of find one of those guys and again in the faster quicker NBA and this team in in Washington wants to play fast again they were talking about how well they were doing without John Wall because they were playing so fast so if they do want to play fast maybe Cousins isn't the guy and you can find just a cheap big that you can rely minimal minutes on and that kind of makes sense there as for the other side of it we're going to tease this into the next segment here too. This could be a sign of things that do impact the Pelicans a little bit more, maybe more directly, and that's going to be with DeAndre Jordan. So this likely means he's out of there, either through free agency and he's just going to leave, or he's going to pick up the player option and he's traded. We already know the name that's very intrigued by him, and that is, of course, the Dallas Mavericks, who we're going to talk about in just one second. So before we talk about them, make sure you subscribe and listen daily to Locked On NBA. We're almost at the moratorium. We're almost at the start of free agency. Rumors are going to be flying, and you need to know what's true and what isn't and what to make of it all. And Locked On NBA is here to help. Monday through Friday, daily podcast covering the association, breaking things down like no other in real time. And of course, I co-host the Wednesday edition, where in today's podcast, the Wednesday edition of it, we get some good talk in on DeMarc. Cousin, so make sure you tune in there. So make sure you listen and subscribe, especially during free agency to Locked On NBA. So the Dallas Mavericks in free agency, the off-rumored 
other team, the literal boogeyman, if you will, when it comes to DeMarcus Cousins and the chief rival to potentially sign him. Except when you really look at it, does it make a whole lot of sense? There's one way it does and then about a ton of other ways that it doesn't. So they traded up to draft Luka Doncic, set to be their like franchise centerpiece, really, the next couple of years, their cornerstone player, along with Dennis Smith Jr. on the wing and in the backcourt. So they've kind of got that set and they do have a glaring need for centers. And we do know that that um, Mark Cuban loves big centers. They won a championship with Tyson Chandler. We know about the chasing of DeAndre Jordan a couple of years ago before he changed his mind and went back to Los Angeles. So DeMarcus Cousins, yeah, they're, it kind of makes sense on that level. When you look at their timeline, realistically, they are not competing next year. They might be better and improved, but I don't think they're going to be to be a playoff team. You still got Dennis Smith Jr. not being the most effective guy, but you know, getting rookie of the year votes and looking to be a very good NBA player. Doncic might struggle to adjust at times. You still got Wes Matthews clogging up a lot of your cap space, different things like that. Harrison Barnes is your go-to scorer, so that's there too. That's good. But yeah, you're, you're missing pieces, and how well can you get that to quickly gel doesn't really bode well for a long, deep playoff run. So maybe you signed DeMarcus Cousins to a multi-year deal, though, knowing he's not really going to help you next year because he's injured, he's coming back. And then if he does come back to be the type of player that he was with New Orleans in Sacramento as well, yeah, it lines up with your timeline when he's doing this two or three years down the road when these other young players you have are really expected to contribute some more. That makes sense frankly you know you can bide your time with him what doesn't make sense though is if he doesn't come back and play that well you've you're clogging up your salary cap with his contract what's going to be what 25 to 30 something million dollars it's going to prevent you from making moves just as the Wes Matthews contract has been kind of hampering them a little bit and they're trying to get out from under it and not seemingly having much luck at all so with a young team that's growing and building, you want to be able to continually add pieces around them. You're not going to be able to do that if you sign DeMarcus Cousins there. So to me, that's a reason why it doesn't make sense. It's much better to take a chance on maybe a trade of DeAndre Jordan. Pay him that $25 million this one year. You then have his bird rights. You're a little bit easier to negotiate with him and such. The year after that, you kind of have the inside track on it. Or if you want my opinion on what they should do, Go after Clint Capella. The Rockets are going to be in a weird spot. And this is a team that's chasing after LeBron James, likely chasing after Paul George as well, wanting to bring them in. But they need to re-sign Trevor Ariza. They maybe need to re-sign Luke Mahabute. And you've got to bring back Capella. Well, when you've got Capella on just his cap hold and not a max deal or anything like that, well then, yeah, it's a lot easier to kind of make the math work on everything else. But if I'm the Dallas Mavericks, I might max out Capella opening night of free agency and at least force the Rockets to choose, risk chasing LeBron and letting Capella go, or re-sign Capella, match that offer sheet, and then end their pursuit of LeBron James. You either get a good player and screw over a rival team, or you just screw over a rival team a little bit and don't get the great player and move on to option B, C, D, which is then maybe when they look at Cousins. But there's some other guys there that make sense. So what they do early on in free agency and how aggressive they're going to be really could set the tone for what the Pelicans need to do with DeMarcus Cousins. You know, if they're going after restricted free agents, Julius Randle's another one. I've said Aaron Gordon a number of times here for you all that I think he might be a fit there too and they might chase after him. 
That might mean Cousins is getting kind of nervous, dangling out on the wire. No other team's really interested in him. Again, I don't even know if the Wizards are really interested in him. So it kind of, you know, what New Orleans is going to do might hinge on what Dallas does. And if the Dallas is chasing other guys early on in free agency, gives the Pelicans a little bit more leverage to kind of work on DeMarcus Cousins, maybe bring him back on a more team-friendly deal. And then really, when you just look at them, I don't know if DeMarcus Cousins is the type of player and the risk they want to take now with Doncic in the fold. That is a guy who most people thought was going to be the number one overall pick. Certainly a franchise cornerstone to build around. Do you then gamble or do you play it a little bit safer and patiently to find the right piece, the right fit, and not make the move this offseason, but maybe next offseason or make little minor moves right now that don't hamper your long-term flexibility? Because that's the last thing that team should be doing right now when they seem to be in position to compete, seriously compete, assuming Doncic works out over the next you know, maybe decade with the young core that they have, but they're still two or three years away from hitting their stride. So don't, you know, if you're them, you don't want to make any moves, but maybe they're impatient. Maybe Cuban wants to win right now. And that means something could be coming for DeMarcus Cousins. But when we really look at it through like an analytical lens and other things, it just doesn't make that much sense. So when signings happen, make sure you check out LockedOnPelicans.com because we will be breaking down the players for you, what they mean to the team, the positions and areas of need, all in written form for you to kill some time while you're at work. So bookmark it now, LockedOnPelicans.com, and make sure to check it out whenever anything happens going on with this New Orleans Pelicans franchise. So I said later in the week, we're going to talk about specific names for New Orleans guys they should be looking at. I've got some great ones too. I'm really excited as I've been doing my research on a lot of these guys. But one name just became maybe much more attainable, and that's Will Barton. So I'm going to let Adam Mars, who's one of our best guys here on the Locked On Podcast Network of Locked On NBA. He does the Friday edition alongside hosting Locked On Nuggets. Take it away with the Nuggets signing Nikola Jokic to a max contract. Hey everyone, this is Adam Mades of Locked On Nuggets here to give you a quick update on Nikola Jokic's contract extension. Sham Sharania of Yahoo Sports is reporting that the Denver Nuggets are prepared to offer Nikola Jokic a five-year, $146.5 million max contract extension that would keep him here in Denver until the 2023 season. Denver had the option of picking up the final year of, of Jokic's rookie scale contract worth roughly one and a half million dollars that would have saved Denver in the short term on their salary cap but it would allow Nikola Jokic to become an unrestricted free agent next summer given Denver's lack of luck in free agency both retaining their own players and grabbing new players on the open market this was a no-brainer for Denver being able to solidify Jokic as the cornerstone of their team going forward he remains underrated by a vast majority of NBA fans and even NBA analysts uh, he led the Denver Nuggets in points, rebounds, and assists. He shot 40% from behind the three-point line on three-and-a-half attempts. He's one of the most efficient post-up players in the NBA, as well as one of the best offensive and defensive rebounders and an elite mid-range jump shooter. And the Nuggets were 10 points per 100 possessions better with him on the court than off, far and away the best mark of all of the players on the Nuggets roster. 
Denver now has a salary cap issue. Bringing back Will Barton for the mid-level ex- ex- extension alone would leave Denver with a massive tax bill far, far higher than you'd expect for a team that has yet to make it into con- the leap into contention, somewhere around $50 million in luxury tax payments alone. Kenneth Fareed, who is set to m- make $13.7 million next season, Wilson Chandler, $12 million, Darrell Arthur, $7.4 million, are all candidates for Denver to try to unload on a team with salary cap space because they are all large contracts in the final year of their deal, expiring contracts. For Kenneth Farid is the most likely player to be traded as he has been cut entirely from the rotation. Denver does have a large collection of players and draft picks to be able to sweeten the pot in any potential deal to get a team to bite on, on a trade for one of those players, including all of their first-round picks in the upcoming drafts, as well as Juancho Hernan Gomez, Monte Morris, Malik Beasley, Trey Lyles, and Tyler Lydon, all young prospects with upside that a team might be willing to bite on. Jokic has been the lowest-paid player on the Nuggets roster for each of the last three seasons, minus the two-way contract guys. He's been the league's best value contract since he entered, earning just $1.5 million per year to date. So it'll be interesting to see how he responds to being the highest-paid player on the team. He's already assumed most of the roles of the team's best player and, and floor leader, but it'll be interesting to see if there's any new dynamics now that he is going to be the highest-paid player in the locker room. So there you have it. You know, other than the fit and different things like that, look, this puts the Nuggets in kind of, not salary cap hell, but in a very tight squeeze. And it's a move they had to make. This was smart. You could keep him cheap for one more year, risk pissing him off, have something happening, and losing him because of that. Just lock down the guy you have. It's the safe play. It's the right play. But it likely means, as Adam said, that Will Barton is going to be gone. He made $3.5 million last year. His contract's been very cheap. He's also a known fucking Pelicans killer, which has been super annoying. And this is a guy who... Yeah, you know, there's a lot of guards out on the market. There's not a ton of cap space. A guy who maybe would be worth $15 million or so, but isn't going to get that because the market just doesn't demand it. But the full mid-level exception, that $8.5 million per year for three years, might look mighty appealing just to play it safe after a three-and-a-half-year million-dollar contract the past couple of years where he just wasn't making what he was worth. It's a safe move. He might also take... The, you know, take it for one year to bet on himself. But this is a guy, obviously, the Pelicans would have in his sights, along with a bunch of other names, which, again, we're talking about those tomorrow and Friday, I promise. I will throw all the names and everything I know from my inside sources with this team to you guys to talk about it. But Will Barton's a name that's going to be on their radar. Maybe $8.5 is not going to be enough, but all of a sudden, he's certainly more in the conversation than just simply re-signing with Denver because it doesn't sound like they can afford it at all anymore. So good news for the Pelicans because the Nuggets are going to lose a player. Bad news is they just, you know, barely missed out on the playoffs and they've locked down their best player for the foreseeable future. So kind of a mixed bag. But if you're New Orleans, you can't worry about that. You've just got to focus on improving the team. And Will Barton certainly would add some wing death, wing play for the Pelicans. And again, he's beaten the Pelicans almost single-handedly multiple times, and now you just don't need to freaking worry about that with Denver Nuggets. Will Pelicans killer Barton is what I've been calling him for years to my friends in the arena. So this is kind of a nice thing. So, you know, he's likely out. He's going to be a sought-after free agent, but if money dries up and the Pelicans play it, you know, safe and patiently, they might be in position to pounce or maybe just get aggressive and offer him that $8.5 million per year for three years right at the beginning of free agency. Know the guy you want, bring him in. 
that might be a way to get it done. So Will Barton, a name to keep your eyes and ears on as we get closer and closer to the start of free agency. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Those are some of the bigger teams out there right now that really could influence how the Pelicans do their business in free agency. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And we're getting close to the rumors starting to fly out. We'll cover all of those tomorrow. We'll cover the other names the Pelicans will be looking at, the names they should be looking at, and get you all set for this weekend and the start of free agency, the silly season here in the NBA. So thank you all for listening. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow. 